Three Friends Talking Poems. I'm Kevin Cotrera, and I'm joined by Luke Bauerlein and Luke Stromberg. On this episode, we're discussing My Story in a Late Style of Fire by Larry Levis. Mr. Bauerlein, if you'll please read the poem. My Story in a Late Style of Fire by Larry Levis. Whenever I listen to Billie Holiday, I'm reminded that I too was once banished from New York City, not because of drugs or because I was interesting enough for any one overworked patrolman to worry about, his expression usually a great gauzy spider web of bewilderment over his face. I was banished from New York City by a woman. Sometimes, after we had stopped laughing, I would look at her and see a cold note of sorrow or puzzlement go over her face, as if someone else were there, behind it, not laughing at all. We were, I think, in love. No, I'm sure. If my house burned down tomorrow morning, and if I and my wife and son stood looking on at the flames, and if then someone stepped out of the crowd of bystanders and said to me, didn't you once know? No. But if one of the flames, rising up in a scherzo of fire, turned all the windows blank with light, and if that flame could speak, and if it said to me, you loved her, didn't you? I'd answer, hands in my pockets. Yes. And then I'd let fire and misfortune overwhelm my life. Sometimes, remembering those days, I watch a warm, dry wind bothering a whole line of elms and maples along a street in this neighborhood until they're all moving at once, until I feel just like them, trembling and in unison. None of this matters now, but I never felt alone all that year, and if I had sorrows, I also had laughter, the affliction of angels and children, which can set a whole house on fire if you'd let it. And even then, you might still laugh to see all of your belongings set you free in one long choiring of flames that sang only to you, either because no one else could hear them, because no one else wanted to, and mostly because they know. They know such music cannot last, and that it would tear them apart if they listened. In those days, I was, in fact, already married, just as I am now, although to another woman. And that day, I could have stayed in New York. I had friends there. I could have strayed up Lexington Avenue or down to 3rd and caught a faint glistening of the sea between the buildings, but all I wanted was to hold her all morning, until her body was, again, a bright field, or until we both reached some thicket, as if at the end of a lane or at the end of all desire, and where we could, therefore, be alone again and make some dignity out of loneliness, as mostly people cannot do. Billy Holiday, whose life was shorter and much more humiliating than my own, would have understood all this. If only because even in her late addiction and her bloodstream's hallelujahs, she too sang often of some affair or someone gone and therefore permanent. Sometimes she sang for nothing, even then, and it isn't anyone's business if she did. That morning, when she asked me to leave, wearing only the apricot-tinted fraying chemise, I wanted to stay. But I also wanted to go, to lose her suddenly, almost for no reason, and certainly without any explanation. I remember looking down at a pair of singular tracks made in a light snow the night before, at how they were gradually effacing themselves beneath the tires of the morning traffic, and thinking that my only other choice was fire, ashes, abandonment, solitude, all of which happened anyway, and soon after, and by divorce. I know this isn't much, but I wanted to explain this life to you, even if I had to become, over the years, someone else to do it. You have to think of me what you think of me. I had to live my life even its late, florid style. Before you judge this, think of her. Then, think of fire, its laughter, the music of splintering beams and glass, the flames reaching through the second story of a house, almost as if to, mistakenly, rescue someone who left you years ago. It is so American, fire, so like us, its desolation, 
and its eventual brief triumph. Luke, um, what, what made you choose this poem for uh, discussion tonight? Well, you know, for, for one thing, um, Larry Levis is a writer that was introduced to me uh, in my years as a student in Westchester, and he, he loomed big for, for both of the professors that Luke Stromberg and I had in college. And um, I, I think it was something, he was a writer that seemed to connect with a lot of our, our students uh, and classmates at, at the time. And so um, he's, he's always just been somebody that I, I kind of return to um, and, uh, and really admire his, his kind of wild and intense narrative style. Um, you know, th this is a guy who, uh, he's a poet from Southern California, uh, grew up on a, on a grape farm that, that his dad owned. He's, he's writing in the late seventies through the mid nineties, uh, died in his mid forties. Uh, so sounds like there was probably some, some drug related, um, things going on with that, that led to it. Uh, but yeah, he, he was a little bit of a prodigy. Um, he met Phil Levine as a freshman at Fresno state, uh, in one of his creative writing classes, started up a lifelong friendship, and they, they wrote letters and had a, a great influence on each other's work. Uh, some of his early books were, were praised. I think his second book was nominated for a Lamont Poetry Prize. So he, he's definitely was, was somebody that people were paying attention to early, and he really evolved from this kind of shorter, surrealistic style into these really expansive narratives by the yeah. time he's hitting his middle books, which is, which is kind of the poems that I'm mostly drawn to. I think... Um, his uh, his selective that that we were introduced to uh, pulls heavily from the kind of middle and later books, uh, where he he really starts getting into kind of these personal narratives mixed with um, you know persona poems where he's taking on characters and kind of getting into kind of really interesting places. And and one thing that really draws me to his work it's it's not just you know the, this personal narrative story, which I think he was a little bit criticized for. I think uh, somebody was was sort of saying like you know Larry you, you always write about yourself, and he's like well you know that's, that's because my life is uh, is more interesting than most poets. <laughs> and so and so you know if if you've got good stories to tell, maybe you can get away with that. But I think he also um, kind of has these excursions, which are almost as much as. Uh, and sort of riffs on, on ideas that, that take us into unexpected places, which is, is surprising, but also kind of, um, he, he just has such a capacious mind. Um, and one, one thing I was, I was interested in sort of asking you guys, you know, Billie Holiday is kind of um, a figure that looms, in, is a presence in the poem that kind of, I think, uh, shades it in, in a certain way. And, and I was curious if, to know what you thought um, her presence was in particular in this poem, what, how it was acting, and if there were... Uh, there were other kind of uh, cultural references that you, you think it's very much a poem about New York too. I think. Uh, what what I what I like about uh, bringing Billie Holiday in in the first line is the the fact that it sets you up for thinking. Oh, this is a poem about Billie Holiday because he says whenever I listen to Billie Holiday, but it's not. It's not just a poem about uh, her, and and actually, you know, it's like okay, not even like yeah. uh, it, she's. I don't want to say she's incidental, but right. it's almost right. like she's like a frame for this. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost like he's putting like a record on in the background. You know what I mean? He's setting <laughs> yeah. the tone. He's setting the mood. Yeah. He's reaching. He's he's and he's he's pulling that kind of. I don't know whatever whatever it is that she has that can cut right to the bone that voice. You know, I think he, he's summoning that in a sense. If you've heard Billie Holiday, I mean, I think that's kind of. It would be interesting to talk to someone who has no idea who this artist is that he's referencing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. To me, it cuts through. I mean, I think when I was reading it at 20, I, I was certainly wasn't as familiar with Billie Holiday as I am now. And I think it, it, it certainly cut through. I wanted to know what that voice was or, you know, I wanted to hear it more. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, too, it's like, you know, and as he mentions, I'm looking at the poem here, um, like he mentions her in those first line or two, and then she doesn't come into it until, you know, 
maybe more than halfway through the poem. And then it just kind of cuts to her. He writes, Billie Holiday, whose life was shorter and more humiliating than my own, would have understood all of this. Like the, the sort of... Um, oh, yeah. The predicament that he describes, his relationship, um, his feelings, uh, if only because even in her late addiction and her bloodstreams hallelujahs, she too sang often some affair or someone gone and therefore permanent. That's the kind of like making this into like a kind of blues song, a torch song in a way. And I think uh, Billie Holiday helps, as you were saying, uh, implying at least, uh, Luke helps set that tone, mm-hmm. introduce yeah. that and, kind of mood. Yeah, and and I also think that she uh, th- this poem is about someone who every statement he makes he weighs it, he considers it, uh, he even contradicts it. Um, you know, I'm thinking of the line. Um, That's a good point. Yeah, like you know, uh, he says we were, I think, in love, and in love in, in the text is uh, in. Uh, you know what we would call scare quotes these days. <laughs> these days, and then he says <laughs> right after that, "No, I'm sure." Uh, you know, and then, and then of course, and then later on, he's like, "You know, if somebody out of the bystanders uh, of the fire were to ask me if did I know this person, <laughs> no, I would say no. I would deny it in front of my my wife and kids. But if the flame, you know, that elemental, incorporeal uh, force." Uh, were to you know ask him he would he would have to say yes <laughs> um, so and and I think that the uh, Billy holiday when when he brings her back into the poem, what I love is that he acknowledges that her life was shorter and more humiliating than his own yes and, and in a way he's also it, it, there's sort of a double use there one he's acknowledging the fact that you know yes I'm bringing Billy holiday into my poem, but I'm giving all due respect to her. And on top of that, he's also saying, you know, yeah, this is a poem about, you know, suffering and being unsure about myself. But I'm also letting you know that this isn't just me wallowing around in self-pity. You know, I I realize there's suffering greater than my own here. Yeah, but even by saying, um, and I I totally agree with what you're saying there. But I think it's kind of, it's, it's a pretty good move because even saying, like, her life was shorter and more humiliating than my own, it's like, it's kind of implying, I mean, at least for me, I don't know, that his own life is kind of humiliating, too. And he's like, yeah, my life is humiliating. Not as humiliating as Billy Holiday's. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I admire that. I, and I, I love that line, um, or someone gone and therefore permanent. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds yeah. of moments like this in the poem, like those sort of just little ways of phrasing things. Um, that's, I, I think, um, typical of Levis. It's part of it, this character that he's establishing, you know? I think that's one of the things that really drives his his poems is, um, Luke was saying that people were saying his poems are, you know, he's always writing about himself. Well, I think that's part of, like, the, I mean, it's this presence, this voice, this mind that we're connecting to that um, that I'm attracted to in his work. Uh, and it's and it's those kind of statements like someone gone and therefore permanent that sort of characterize that. Or like earlier when he says, um, if I had sorrows, I also had laughter, the affliction of angels and children. Those little brilliant asides, those yeah. like subtle touches. Yeah, it's so funny because he's like in that instance, he's he's giving a definition for for laughter. 
And, uh, and, and I think this is a common poetic move where, you know, you, you have a word, you give a definition, but of course the definition is both surprising and also familiar because, you know, I've, yeah. never, I've never heard it put that way. The affliction of angels and children, right. Right. Uh, but it, it, of course it makes sense, you know, and that's what's so beautiful. It tells me, uh, something I didn't know I knew. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that that no, I think that's a very good way of uh, of phrasing kind of what Luke was talking about. These moments of like little revelations, you know, and they exist at, sort of at the edges in the in the corners of his work. It's not the main, uh, it's not the main yeah. show. It's not necessarily exactly. the main poem, and yeah. yet, and yet it's, yeah. it's almost the point of of why I'm drawn to him. You know what I mean? Right. Discovering these kind of profound little nooks and crannies, yeah, uh, are really cool. And I I really like what you're saying too, Kevin, about how he sort of you know will contradict himself and reinvestigate it, and maybe this is part of what Luke was talking about, you know, that that character, that voice he's creating, but he, he just, it's a voice that won't let himself or anything that he's saying really off the hook. Like it has to be qualified. He has to say, you know, is that, is that the truth? Is there a layer right. here that we could, we could delve a little bit deeper and, yeah. and investigate into this? And uh, yeah, that, that probing could be frustrating. I think to some readers, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm very drawn to it. I'm very, at least it, it's like, it's like, it's a good it's balance, like, you know? Yeah. It's like when you read his poems, uh, when I read his poems, at least, I feel like I'm sitting and I'm hanging out like it's late at night and I'm hanging out and having like an intense conversation with just a really interesting person, you know, and that's how this poem feels. It's almost like a dramatic monologue. Those, you know, like that, the the moment that Kevin mentioned earlier where he was saying, um, we were, I think in love. Mm -hmm. No, I'm sure, (laughs) you know, like, and, um, it, it has that, that kind of feel of him sitting down talking to you. And that's how, like, uh, when you were saying, like, with Billie Holiday, it's like he put the, a record on. It's almost like you could picture this monologue taking place. He just put on the record. They're listening to Billie Holiday. He's like, you know, whenever I listen to Billie Holiday, I'm reminded that I, too, was banished from New York City. Like, we're coming in the middle of some scene. I mean, that's at least how I I, mm-hmm. I feel. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What do you think of the title and, and, we, the, and, the, and the presence of fire in this poem? Yeah, you know, I, I, was, I, was, I had mentioned this um, kind of earlier when, when we were talking about it, maybe a couple of weeks ago, and about uh, Jack Gilbert's phrase, uh, sort of like writing uh, adult dreams. Oh, yeah. And thinking about that, and he, he's referring to a poem that, that's sort of written, uh, or that this moment that, that he had when he was, he was kind of having an affair with his wife, and it's not a, it's not really a romantic moment, but it's the last night he's with this this other woman that he's he's developed a really uh, kind of strong connection to and and loves, and he's kind of saying goodbye, and it's not it's not a moment of of sexuality or anything like that, but it's kind of this perfect little moment that's maybe uh, inappropriate or, or sinful in, in in some sense. It's it's definitely adult and complicated, and and one thing I, I thought. Levis was doing in this poem. We think about that idea of like an adult dream, like the, the story that he's doing. It's definitely, I feel like, um, I don't know. It's, he's creating his own myth here a little bit. You know, he's casting it against the uh, the city backdrop. It's it's definitely like his his poem about this period in New York. And and I don't know. I, I think um, it's it's lending a little bit of gravity. You know what I mean to kind of put it in in this sort of mythic uh, category. But it, but it's complicated. And you guys keep bringing up that. Um, that, that how he qualifies in love. No, I'm sure. Then he goes to great lengths to kind of like describe this scene that kind of gets at that complicated feeling of 
you know, I'm, I'm in my, I'm writing in my thirties. I'm married to somebody else. I have kids now. I'm looking back on this time in my life when I was married to someone else and having an affair on that person. (laughs) And and it's like, he he has this way of unpacking these incredibly complicated, you know, adult moments of, 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 you know, just living a modern life and these connections and ways we're tied to people. A late style, like this complicated modern life that we live now, like this is, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I wondered what, like, or does he mean like a... Um, like, this is a previous life. Like, I had to become someone, to become someone else to tell you this. This person's yeah. dead. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, thought, I was taking it kind of like that, maybe. But. Yeah, and it, it's really funny, because I, I have to be reminded, uh, or it, I keep thinking of the fire as something that really happened, but it's actually a uh, hypothetical in this whole yes. It's not totally. a, and, you know. and it's it's not... It's not like they're standing and they're like, "Oh, this is the house where we used to. I used to meet her or anything." Yeah. It says, "If my house burned yes. down tomorrow morning, yeah. and if I and my wife and son stood looking on at the flames, and if then someone stepped out of the crowd of bystanders and said to me, didn't you once know?' No, like why? Like that's a that's a really weird move, right? Yeah." To be like, if I was standing outside tomorrow and my house was burning down and some <laughs> random person came up and said, didn't yep. you know this woman? I would say, no, no, I didn't know her. <laughs> right. But if a miracle happened. <laughs> right. Uh, the fire the spoke to me like a yeah, burning and, bush. And, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then the fire, sp- and the, but he's like, but if the fire spoke to me, right? Oh, yeah. That's strange. Well, yeah, but if it's, one of the flames rising up in a scarzo of fire turned all the windows blank with light, and if that flame could speak, and if it said to me, you loved her, didn't you? I'd answer, hands in my pockets. Yes. Right. Uh, yeah, there's so much about uh, that, how he, how he uh, gives us that image of the fire speaking, and how, uh, and, and the body language, you know, with his hands in his pockets. Shame. Yeah, like, yeah. And, resignation, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's something very biblical. You know, just a minute ago, it, the, the idea of the burning bush uh, speaking to Moses uh, came to mind. And I think that that's something he's really drawing from here. And I, and I think, too, that, you know, we, we talked about how there's, there's a sort of mythology he's building here. And I think that, uh, I, I think that this is a, a truth that he's getting at, that there's a life that we live that we would deny to people. But if some elemental force were to force us to reckon, you know, or if some, if some divine spark, as it were, were to address us, we could not deny it. You know, like it's yeah. that, that type of denial that you just hold on to so yeah. tightly. And, but you know that you're lying when you speak to people, but you live this lie because um, there's really no other way to, to go about a life as a modern person, you know, you just have to, you have to deal with it. You, know? you have to em- embrace the story that you're in. And, but sometimes stories, other stories interrupt, you know, our lives like a fire coming yeah. back. You know, yeah. I think that's, I think that's what yeah. it gets at, you know, the way that, that memory still has a hold on us that actually most, a lot of our lives are sort of lived, you know, in, in these past experiences that are, oh, yeah. are could yeah. interrupt and, and, and come back at any time. Really. Yeah. And, yeah. That you you talked about the fire is like an elemental force. It's mm-hmm. like something that's forcing us to confront ourselves. Um, some kind of honest thing that's going to like, I don't know. It's burning mm-hmm. his house down, right? Yeah, um, yeah. 
it, it, it's 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 some kind of recognition of you know like the of how fragile things are. Or, I, I I don't know, but like yeah, it's like this strange otherworldly kind of spiritual thing, right? And I think that in this poem he likens Billie Holiday to fire. Okay. Um, and 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 uh, there's there's some things that uh, that I could point to in the poem that make me think that but one thing and i feel ashamed to ask this because it's one of those things that i i always chide my students for not looking up words that they don't know and i and i'm afraid i didn't do it either what is a scarzo he says um one of the flames rising up oh, yeah. in the scarzo of fire yeah it's um it's like a type of movement in I, I actually might be Kevin. Maybe is it in a symphony or is it its own uh, construction? Yeah. But um, I think I think it, it's a quicker movement in a piece of music, is how I understand. It, it actually now uh, I, I may be mistaken on this. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, it's a. Uh, I think it originally meant joke, and uh, I believe <laughs> Haydn was uh, was famous for introducing it. He he would always have a scherzo, and 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 I um, yeah, I think it might be a, a symphonic movement. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and it's it's definitely like a, yeah. an aside or something like that. Yeah, sort of. I mean, yeah, it, it's definitely. Um, well, here my knowledge is just you know falling apart uh, of you know music <laughs> terminology, but um, uh, yeah. it was definitely like it would happen as like the third movement, I believe. Uh, but again, I. My yeah. ignorance is, is uh, getting the better but, of me here. But, but also, I, like, fast-paced. Imagine, like, symphonic, set, like, a big, sweeping symphonic, you know what I mean? Right, rising. Uh, that's how I imagine would, it. You know? Which would make sense <clears throat> with the way he's describing, like, yeah, the yeah. flame coming out. But I, I, I imagined that it was a, a musical term, which makes sense. Because throughout this poem, fire is likened to music or singing. I don't know if, if you guys noticed that. So there's that moment, of course. Uh, and then a little further down, he's talking about, again, saying, and if I had sorrows, I also had laughter, the affliction of angels and children, which can set a whole house on fire if you let it. And even then, you might still laugh to see all of your belongings set you free in one Acquiring, and that's an interesting word to use there. Yeah, that is oh, yeah. flames that sang only to you, either because no one else could hear them or because no one else wanted, wanted to. to. Yeah, and mostly because they know, they know such music cannot last, and that it would tear them apart if they listened. So I feel like Billie Holiday. Yeah is the fire and she knows she knows his pain she knows what he's feeling because she sings it in her songs the blues you know she she's feeling that yeah, right yeah. and she sees through him or whatever you know that's interesting to me that's um and then you know and elsewhere he um towards the end of the poem again when um, he mentions fire i had to live my life even it's late florid style before you judge this, think of her. Now, I'm assuming that he's talking about the woman that he loved. Mm -hmm. Then think of fire. It's laughter. The music yep. of splintering beams and glass. The flames reaching through the second story of a house, almost as if to mistakenly rescue someone who left you 
years ago. Now, I'm not sure totally what to make of that, but it seems to me that there's a definite connection between the fire and Billie Holiday. I mean, what, uh, did you, what do you guys think of that? Yeah, d- definitely. I, I think definitely. And I think um, just, just the, the, in talking about setting the tone, her presence of it, but likening um, the, the whole, the fire itself is likened to music and, the, and this destructive music that comes for, through. And I think um, that's why she, her presence is, is perfect for it. You know what I mean? In some ways, like you could read her life as, as music or the, this life kind of, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe I was going to say, you know, it's music kind of giving this hard life, this, this life that was more unfortunate maybe or, or less dignified than and more humiliating than, than Larry Levis's. But maybe music was the way she was just simply expressing what was happening, you know? Yeah, and it, it, you described it as destructive, but at the same time while being destructive, yeah. he describes it as something that's going to uh, set, uh, set you uh, free, free you, right? all of your belongings yeah. and set you free. Yeah, yeah and that, that calls to mind... Um, you know, the idea of the uh, destroyer as the creator, um, yeah. you know, that, uh, I know Elliot was really big on that in uh, both Wasteland and, uh, Ford Quartets. Um, yeah, you know, to, it, yeah. To, to, to die and be like that. There's some kind of, um, that death in some ways could lead to a, a more purified life or like could bring, yeah. could be life giving. Right. right? Well, and, like and, the, you have to die to your old life become a new creature right or, or like the um the ann bradstreet poem uh yeah that really famous one um on uh, uh, the burning of our house or something which i i always love that poem uh in high school um Me too. yeah it, because it's um <laughs> it's it's so damn uh hardcore it's like, yeah, I don't care. Burn my house. I'm, you know, I've got a mansion waiting for me in heaven. You know, right, right. Uh, I'm not supposed to cling to these material possessions. Right. You know, yeah. <laughs> but he said, but then, what this and this, this has always puzzled me about this poem. Uh, that in in that almost last line, um, after he he talks about, um, then think of fire, its laughter, its music, the music of splintering beams and glass, the flames reaching through story of a house almost as if to mistakenly rescue someone who left you years ago and yeah that that kind of idea of like this this fire is going to rescue someone um that that's interesting i'm not sure what to make of it but this is what real i wanted to really talk about it is so american fire so like us it's desolation and it's eventual brief triumph yeah I uh, well, I think that the the move he's doing there rhetorically is to you know he's he's got this. Per, I mean, the the poem is in in some ways a personal essay in verse. Yeah, you know? and and so he's doing what a lot of personal essays do, which is like in the very last line, you you give a mm-hmm. hint to the world at large, so that it's kind of like sending your theme out into the world, you know, or enlarging the scope uh, at the end, so that. Um, you know, I guess the intention is the, the reader's mind will take it, you know, even farther. That, that's um, my take on it, rhetorically yeah, yeah. speaking, anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, I, and I, I think it does. It, like, explodes. It, it almost becomes, like, it introduces, like, this whole new idea, like, or, like, you know, that seems like there's a lot there, like, to liken being American to desolation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? I oh, mean, yeah. is that what he's doing there? It is so American mm-hmm. fire, so like us, it's desolation, 
and its eventual brief, brief triumph. Right. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I can't help but read, um, you know, the idea of empire in that, maybe, especially the brief triumph. It's it's sort of like a the inevitability of um, the, a late capitalist empire. And, and it really, in the grand scheme of things, is a very brief triumph, uh, if you yeah. can even call it that. Um, like, this is the, this is like America had its very brief moment, sort of. Yes, like, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And, uh, and I, I don't know the, if this dates from uh, his time, you know, if it's from like the 70s or somewhere closer to the 90s. I think I, it's like the early 80s, right? It's in okay. Winter Stars. When was that? Winter Stars was Yes, up. yes. That, that, like 83 around then. Yeah, oh, yeah. early yeah, so, 80s, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, and, and much of it evokes New York City. Maybe 85, sir. Yeah, so yeah. like, you know, you're talking Reagan's 80s in New York uh-huh. City. Uh, I mean, yeah, America must have... Well, I mean, you know, it's, it seems desolate to us now in different ways, but, you know, yeah, I, I think that... Especially New York in the 80s. Yeah. It's a pretty rough place. Yeah, pretty rough. You know? Yeah, I always joke around. I always say, man, I would love to have lived my 20s in, uh, you know, New York in the 80s. I, I don't I don't think I would have survived. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty sure I would have, I would be stabbed and, and uh, die bleeding in the street. You, but, well, you yeah. might have been so, mugged a few times. Yeah, mugged a few times, right. <laughs> We were talking about um, how he has these little asides, like these like little interesting thoughts, like to compare, uh, to call laughter an affliction of children and angels, or, or rather angels and children, or, or someone gone and therefore permanent. This is another example to say it's so American fire, like, right? Uh, and that's what he ends the poem with. And it just leaves you, uh, it always leaves you, like I've always, like I've read this poem a few times like I've, I've known this for a few years and I always leave the poem thinking like what <laughs> you know like yeah. what does that mean I don't know it makes sense on like a kind of intuitive or emotional yeah. level yeah. I don't know yeah. if I would be able to unpack what that has to do with anything I mean it like kind of connecting like this affair with America maybe like it was like we had our little moment there and it was uh, it was great but like all, you know, empires or like all great things, it comes to an end and then crumbles apart, you know. And uh, he's sort of saying like that's what America is doing in the and uh, the nineteen eighties here. Yeah. I don't know, but it is that kind of taking this intensely private thing and and, and introduce like making it public, introducing like this public element, making it like a larger commentary. It's just a. A big thing to introduce in the like almost last line of right. the poem. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so America. <laughs> yeah. End of poem. <laughs> uh, which yeah, is, which is like not the, what he's doing at all. That was, a, but you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that was the thing, though, to talk a lot about. Like, oh yeah. Um, um, I guess it still is. Yeah, it still is. I mean, it, it definitely. Uh, there were. I think there are times in American poetry where uh, it becomes. Uh, it, it comes in and out of fashion too. Like, you know, you see a lot of poems. I, I think uh, Gerald Stern has a poem called "American Sonnets." Yeah, uh, you know, they're American this, American that. You know, and then they kind of define what it means to be an American, right? As opposed to like, you know, British. Exactly. Right? Yeah. America as an identity. 
Um, yeah. I, I feel like the modernists were really trying to do that, like set themselves apart and be like, this is American literature. What's going to make... Yeah. I was like William, uh, William Carlos Williams was really into finding an American voice. Yeah, yeah. And, um, well, you know, and then you have the beats. I mean, uh, yeah. uh, I don't know, probably every page of On the Road has the damn word America in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then there's uh, Ginsburg's America, which is one of my favorite yeah. Ginsburg poems. I sure. love it. But, uh, yeah. But. Yeah, so he had to he had to get him, and it gives the poem like a bigger, more epic feel. Like, yeah, oh yeah, to, absolutely. To mention America, right? Yeah, and and he's <laughs> been yeah. It, it's funny because like he's his spheres of reference here up to that point have been personal, mythic, uh, cultural in bringing in you know Billy Holiday, uh, and then all of a sudden it becomes civic. You know, it, yeah. it, it starts to move toward a public poem. And, and in a way, it's, it's interesting because he's, he's kind of showing you, okay, here's all the personal. And yeah. here is where that personal becomes political. Yeah. Uh, and, and then he, and he ends it there, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a little teaser. Yeah. Well, and, and but what's funny, though, too, is that I feel like the ending definitely snaps shut. You know, I, I feel like... And just just based on the words that he ends on, you know, it's eventual brief triumph. I mean, triumph is such a strong word, no matter what qualifications you put in front of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that it's it's funny because I, I I definitely feel like it it feels complete, and yet it it it's leaning toward uh, more and more uh, at yeah. the same time. But and it's it's I mean, and for me, I was just gonna say it's hard not to ha- almost imagine the image of America engulfed in flame at the end though too. Oh yeah. You know, and it being I mean of an of an America on fire. And of course the whole time, I mean, Luke has, has pointed out it's it's a both a destructive and ecstatic thing. And I mean mm-hmm. it's certainly you're not supposed to I, I don't think take away a, a total celebration or, or loss in it. But I think but it's definitely introducing an element of, of violence. At the and end too, this, that's that's been there the whole time, you know it but reinforcing this, that on a grander level. Yeah. There's this idea too, like um What's what this Neil? Uh, it's better to uh, to burn out than to fade away, right? And um, he has he seems to have that idea in this poem as well. Rather go out in flames and like at the height of passion, rather right. something yeah. you know catastrophic, like sudden and catastrophic happen, than just let your love affair or whatever just sort of fade away. Yeah. Because he, he, there's that beautiful moment, again, towards the end. I wanted to stay, but I also wanted to go. To lose her suddenly, almost for no reason. You know, like, it's, so yeah, it just yeah. seems like sudden and arbitrary. And certainly without any explanation. I remember looking down at a pair of singular tracks made in a light snow the night before. At how they were gradually effacing themselves beneath the tires of the morning traffic and thinking that my only other choice was fire ashes abandonment solitude like this like you could either live your life at like this um low pitch or whatever mm-hmm. you know you could just let kind of things Fade slowly away. erode away yes yeah. slowly erode or you could live it at like this high passionate pitch yeah you know what i mean and it and it could be intensely painful but 
at least you're feeling it. At least yeah, you're feeling yeah. it. Does that make sense? You know? And he says, all of which happened anyway, and soon after, and right. by divorce. Which right. now he's kind yeah. of connecting it to like this relationship, this extramarital affair with the divorce that, you know. Yeah, that happened. This first wife that he barely mentions. To just say, I was married yeah. then, too. Right. Another woman. Yeah. Like, so there's, again, something. There's a whole other poem right there waiting to be in fact. It's interesting. I mean, it seems rather, I, I don't know, it seems a little, like, it's kind of like you, when you read through this poem, you, sit, you connect to it right away. You understand. Like, the feeling is very apparent, right? Uh, mm -hmm. The imagery is, is really potent and everything. But when you really stop to unpack it, well, there's, like, so much here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I think that kind of circles back to maybe what he means by a late style, um, you know, because because there is a certain Baroque uh, floridness uh, to the um, to the narrative here, uh, and and the not only the the way the narrative sort of uh, builds on uh, these digressions, but also in, in the um, in the lyrical content of the poem as well. It's um, well, it's funny, it's florid, but it's not, you know, what you would th think of, you know, when I think of the word florid, I think of uh, the worst uh, Victorian poetry that the modern right, right, right. is. <laughs> but, but florid in the sense of just um, profuse with, with new developments constantly, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good distinction to make. Because it's kind of, yeah, again, it's it seems like someone, very articulate, intelligent person with a, an interesting uh, mind talking, but it's to you but it's just yeah it seems like it's kind of you're hanging out you're talking to someone this is uh, uh this is just um coming to him as he's speaking you know i mean it kind of creates that kind of it has that air of spontaneity to it so it's it's not like a a really poeticized language i think that's what also makes um, some of those um, beautiful metaphors really stand out is the fact yes. that they are so plain spoken. And yeah, and it and it's it it's like this realistic poem, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's written in a very earthy, direct kind of way, and then there are these moments of uh, mysticism or just like you know what like why is he like that that moment when he's like and if my house burned down like that's a very that's a really strange moment but you buy it in the poem like you just accept it you know oh yeah Why do you think it is called My Story in a Late Style of Fire? Do you have any final ideas about that? Because, I mean, it's a really interesting title. I mean, that title is always, it's very intriguing. I mean, do we have any final thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, and maybe Kevin can, artic can articulate a little better. I liked what he was saying, though, about um, late referring to style, styles of music and culture, but also as thinking about late capitalism and, and the way America is sort of is like referenced as this big looming thing at the end um, in in the eighties being desolate. I mean, I think I think definitely. I think it's it's hard again, like I said, not to see America itself on fire in that yeah, last yeah. imagery. Yeah, and it being it feeling late, feeling like our time has passed. You know what I mean? The triumph is over, and you know we're we're burning it out. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think also that it, it's funny because the title is doing what the whole poem is does which is to say that it tells its story, or it states the facts of the story, my story, 
And mm-hmm. it calls attention to the style in which it's, um, well, maybe not. I don't know if the poem itself is really calling much attention to its own style, but it's definitely calling attention to the way it's moving around, the way uh, the ideas are unfolding, you know, by all the constant second guessing and doubting and then saying, no, I'm certain. You know what I mean? It, it's mm-hmm. sort of like, well, yeah, no, this is my story, but keep in mind, this is in a late style of fire. <laughs> you know, that's like right. That's right. I, I could yeah. tell it in another manner if I wanted to, or I could sort of combine the manners. You know what I mean? So it, it's um, it's all that qualification that just keeps going, and I mean, and it could go on forever, uh, right. feasibly. Yeah. You know, and uh, but it's not, but it doesn't. You know, it's it's also you know very tightly contained as well. Yeah, and it's interesting that my story is the story of this brief extramarital affair that he had years ago. Right. Right? Yeah. And he's like, that's, that's ultimately the story. Is, is, I mean, that's the, by the, the title, sort of implying that to me. It's mm-hmm. like, that was the story of my life. And to connect it to that final line there, uh, brief eventual, uh, it's, it's eventual brief triumph. It's like, yeah, I mean, I lived really to to my fullest extent like for just that brief time that we were together and like all things it sort of burned out but it was it was a brief triumph you know it's and it's it's kind of it's kind of beautiful it makes me feel sad for his uh his wife and kids though (laughs) for the love like yeah to, to, to sort of suggest that the love of his life was like this woman from years ago well, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of the, um, the inverse of what the narrator and the dead experiences, right? <laughs> Where, like, yeah. his wife, ha- he has this revelation that, like, his wife has this love. You know what I mean? That's really, oh, she's yeah. been holding this torch for this whole time. Whereas here, it's like a self-realization or, uh, yeah. or sort of this yeah. story, this other story, this other lie, you know, from which he tells this, this poem, you know, is, is sort of masking that, that truth, that this was, the, this was the story, you know? This is what he yeah, carries yeah. And, uh, be- and because of this woman, he can never come back to New York City. <laughs> right. <laughs> Banished. And banished from New York. And like Levis leaving New York, it's now time that we leave you. But don't worry, we'll be back. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to check out our website at www.workscited.com for more information about Larry Levis and his work. Now, to play us out again, it's Philadelphia's own The Late Great.